Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. live on Facebook. Uh, sorry, I have put this funny, funny mask on and I'm going to just take it off now. Does anyone know how to take? Uh-huh. Got it. Right. Sorry about that. Yes, live and direct on Instagram and on Facebook. Uh, Q&A with yours truly, uh, JJ Stiano. I used to be able to put that on the screen, didn't I? I don't even do that anymore. Okay, well, never mind. That's who I am. Uh, plastic surgeon extraordinaire. If you've got any questions, then please feel free to ask away. Today, uh, difference between round and teardrop implants, tattoo removal, uh, combined surgery comes up a lot. That um, maximum time for surgery. Why I don't do rhinoplasty, and is have I got a botched boob job? question mark not you know obviously um so we're going to kick off tonight's show with this question here unless anyone has got a question khan's on facebook and has actually said hello which makes me realize that facebook's working which is good thank you khan good to see you um answered this last week and the audio went all funny and i think it's my internet i've got to be honest with you i've Full, I, th- I think it's I'm fully to blame I think my internet is hope well I know my internet is hopeless so uh, apologies for that so I hope the audio is not all cutting out all over the place obviously I'm just talking away I'm assuming it's all okay blissfully ignorant um so we'll see how we get on this time with answering that question I'm sorry if you were here last week and you heard me ask drop implants yeah so basically in terms of implants uh, those are the two um, choices in terms of shape round. First thing I say to you, it doesn't matter that much. To be honest with you, people get into such a tizzy about what implants they're going to have, and it doesn't matter that much. Bit crackly says Khan. Oh, is the audio going to be crackly with this one as well? Oh, is it, I mean, is it the? Can I, is it this? I've got an idea, Khan. I have got an idea. What? So hello, so that microphone, I'm gonna change my Hello, hello. Right, I've changed microphones on Facebook. I don't know if that's gonna be better. I've got this big fancy microphone, I don't even see it. Massive great thing. Okay, well is that less crackly? Well, I'm gonna crack on. So uh, take two. What's the difference between round and teardrop implants? Right, well, I'm glad you asked me that question. The answer is not that much, is the simple answer. And the other thing I would say to you is don't worry too much about implants. Uh, people get into, into terrible twists and turns and tie themselves into knots as to which implant they should have. Um, you see them all the time on um, uh, forums saying, should I have a 320 or should I have a you know, 380 or whatever? Um, and it actually doesn't matter that much. I think the most important thing when you're looking at having a breast augmentation is the surgeon. And I think you should spend time 
choosing a surgeon. I think it's fine to see a few surgeons. I think it's fine to uh, try and get a feel for different surgeons. We all acknowledge that people having this sort of surgery will see several surgeons. There's no problem with that. I encourage people to see, well, maybe not encourage. We are, do encourage people to see other people. You know, it's fine. Um, it's a luxury purchase and you can sort of shop around. It's not an emergency operation, so you've got time to consider. So I think that is the most important thing. Having said that, there is a difference between round and teardrop implants. Now, there are some surgeons out there who don't use teardrop implants because they said round implants that go when they're in the body will go teardroppy shape. I do use round uh, teardrop implants, so I'm not like that. But having said that, it's a valid point, and I think it is different difficult to tell the difference and it's actually been shown in studies where they've shown plastic surgeons patients who are before and after and said oh, they've got round or teardrop and basically they get it wrong so um it is it is not that um it is not that cut and dried it's not like round or fake teardrop and natural because they come in different profiles they come low medium high extra high profile and so it's the profile that matters as as much as the shape um, and the width actually is the most important thing. But anyway, um, so it's the profile that's really important and also matching it in with your body shape. So, but broadly speaking, a teardrop implant is less full in the upper pole than a round implant. So that is the difference between round and teardrop implants. Um, and full, more fullness in the upper pole is associated with a more fake look. So in that respect, you can understand why people will say that teardrop implants are natural. You, you, you know, there's no question uh, they are less full in the upper pole and therefore can deliver a more natural result. Having said that, if you have a bit of breast tissue, the way teardrop implants are really useful in my um, uh, hands is when someone's got no breast tissue. We've got no or very little breast tissue. I think a teardrop implant's really good because that delivers the shape to the breast. But if you have got some breast tissue, particularly if you've got breast tissue sitting in the lower part of your breast, then sometimes a round implant can actually balance out and give a bit of uh, a projection to the upper pole as well as the lower pole and you can get a natural result with a lower round implant as long as you're not getting up into the sort of extra high profiles etc well it depends on how much breast tissue you've got you can still get a natural result even with those implants if you've got a lot of breast tissue so it's really important when someone's got very little breast tissue uh, that's when teardrop implants come in. When you've got some breast tissue, particularly if it's sitting a bit lower on your breast, then I think you can get a natural result with a round implant. And the other benefit of a round implant is you don't have the problem with rotation. So that is a benefit right there. Um, so yeah, uh, in my hands, and it were all different, you know, as I say, some people don't use teardrops. Sometimes people might use a lot of teardrops. So we're all different with our own experiences, but that's where I am on that one. Um, so Khan, that's better, is it? That's better. That's the little. That's the um, microphone on the on the webcam, Khan. So not the big fancy one. Hey, you know, just shows you. Olivia's in the house. Good evening, Olivia. Um, right, got a question here now, which says, will why will my tattoo take one to two sessions? Now I have actually got it off pat how to get photos both on Facebook and on Instagram. And I'm gonna show it in Facebook now. It's a tattoo on the ribs. I can't, I can't, I, I can't show it on Instagram. So I'm gonna to have to do the unprofessional thing of that. Can you see it? Is it? Can you see it? It's not very good, is it? I accept it. Anyway, sorry. Um, it's basically a tattoo here along the ribs. Um, 
interesting this one interesting because i'm not so what we do when you have a tattoo we encourage people to send in photos and we'll give you an idea whether it's a goer or not because sometimes they're huge things all over the arm you know sleeve and stuff like that in which case we can't remove those and we could see it could excellent um so uh so we can tell you whether it's a go and we can give you an idea of, of of how much it'll cost and how many operations it'll take to save you having to come to the clinic to save you having to come for a consultation um i don't think i've seen this tattoo so someone in the clinic someone uh, has obviously said it'll take one to two sessions and then the patients obviously ask why and then i've got to answer the question i'm not sure whether i would say that that would take well actually one to two yeah it will take one to two sessions i think that might come out in one I think that might come out in one, but it'll be tight. Uh, and sometimes uh, you do it with a very minimal margin and you're left with a bit of ink on either side of the scar, um, in which case you might need another session to completely remove it. But I think you could have a good go at removing all of that in one session. It's difficult because I tell you what, you people, you're often sending photos way too close up. Uh, this one's arguably a bit close up. I think I can see, I think that's a breast coming into view. So I think it's sort of on the ribs. So a little bit, you know, if you're showing a photo, sometimes I don't know if it's an arm, if it's a leg, if it's a back, you know, so if you could see if you, when you're sending photos, if you can do them a little bit zoomed out, you know, ideally two zoomed out and zoomed in would be great. But um, yeah, this one I'm going to say would, I think we'd have a good go at it in one go, although there might be a hint of ink on either side of the scar, but um you know if you really wanted it all gone it might need another one but i think you'd be pretty happy with one session on that one actually personally um but it's all down to how much skin laxity there is i think it will be tight with one go no question it is quite wide but i think we could uh, uh, we could um we could do that so uh yeah let's answer that question yeah yeah um btw if you have a question feel free to post it you know feel free I'm not saying that I haven't got enough questions organically. I have, obviously, but, you know, uh, I can't help but feel sometimes, I don't know if you're a regular viewer, but I can't help but feel, have I not answered these questions? <laughs> Are these questions, did I not? <laughs> Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But anyway, look, Kim and family's asked a question. Not only that, she's asked a question with the hashtag AskJJ. Right, I'm going to do Kim's question now because I'm going to come back to that one. Ask, hashtag ask JJ. This is Kim on Instagram. Hashtag ask JJ. What aftercare do you give, please? Does it differ based on procedures? Seen someone offering only six months aftercare after a tummy tuck, but I thought it takes a lot longer than that to heal. Good question, Kim. And aftercare is one of those ones where it's a bit of a, a bit of, a bit, a bit confusing. It's a bit like warranty of implants. It's not very clear. People say, oh, you've got lifetime warranty of implants or you've got lifetime aftercare or things like that. You've got to drill down to what's included in the aftercare because there's different elements to the aftercare, Kim. So let's take a tummy tuck as an example. So um, in terms of the aftercare, one of the things that I've built my clinic on is the aftercare. And one of the things I stress to patients, in fact, actually every patient, every uh, procedure, doesn't matter what you have done, at the clinic we never discharge anyone so if you've ever got a problem at any time um, you can give us a ring you can send us an email you can come back to the clinic you can you know we, we will see you and we will you know talk to you about what's going on and give you advice and help you out because i am all about 
getting happy patients. That's what my clinic is built on. That's what the practice is built on. And that is by, because we look after people. And so uh, in terms of coming back to clinic and having an appointment to see uh, me or one of the surgeons, that is unlimited for as long as you want. But you might say, well, hold on a minute. What if I need another operation, which is obviously the big thing. Um, so again, it depends what you need. So if you need something minor, like for instance, a seroma drained or something like that, we can do that at the clinic, no problem at all. The problem comes when we have to do something at the hospital. So when we have to do something in the hospital, like for instance, um, well, what could I think with a tummy tuck? Not even a, do a dog ear we can do at the clinic. Um, scar's too high and we have to lower the scar. That can be quite a major undertaking. So let's just say that one. Um, so basically we have to do something in the hospital. Then the hospitals offer different aftercares in terms of revision policies. So in, in it's usually six months to 12 months, depending on the hospital. Um, and you're absolutely right. It does take longer than that to sort of heal or settle, which I feel uncomfortable with the six month one. So sometimes what we'll say is, look, the scar's a little bit higher six months. We'll put a revision in at the hospital and we'll say to the patient, look, can we see you in three months time? Because I think it might settle because it's often a bit pulled up at six months and it can take 12 or 18 months for it to settle. So I would rather they had longer policies. I'd rather they had, you know, 12 months at least. Um, so Spire does have 12 months. But um but um, it's it's uh, so Candy's got a question. Look at that, Candy. Uh, ask JJ hashtag please. Um, so yeah, so six so, the, so that's talking about revision for six months. Well, I said that's talking about revision. You also have seen someone. Yeah, well, I don't know. Some doctors will sort of discharge you after a certain period of time, or just offer one follow up appointment and stuff like that. But that's not what I'm about. I'm about as many follow up appointments as you want slash need. Uh, see you as often as you want and try and make sure you feel looked after but uh and and yeah the, so the revision policy is often uh six to twelve months but but um but um and if it's not settled what we'll do is we'll, we'll put a revision policy a uh, revision request in before the six month is up and then review you because it usually takes a year or more for it to properly settle you're absolutely right uh right candice has asked, asked jj thank you Thank you for that. I can answer your question now. I would have answered it anyway. Um, we just got to get it trending, you see. You know, that's how we get it trending. Because um, that's like twice now. We've had the JJ hashtag. So I'm sure that's got to be up in the figures of Instagram. Are you offering Botox to the clinic? Yes, Candice, we are. Well, well, when you say you, not me, I don't do it. Um, I'm not, uh, it's not my ting. You know, it is not my ting. I don't know. I know what you're going to say. You got to do it. It's really good, and lo, lo, you know, loads of people want it, and and everyone and everyone says it. And other people with clinics say, "Oh my God, you don't do Botox anyway." I don't. All right, I don't. I don't do Botox. I don't really do faces. I mean, I do moles and things, but I don't do um, uh, facelifts and and oh yeah, here we go. Yes, do it. You know, I, it, I, I feel. I know it sounds a bit it might sound a bit weird um i just feel that breast and body is my thing and facial aesthetics isn't i don't do fate i don't do blepharoplasties or rhinoplasties or you know facelifts and stuff like that and i i so i don't i don't <laughs> um anyway but people do we got people i know a man who does so we got people at the clinic who do so yes you'd be more than welcome to come to the clinic to have it done but uh, on a personal level, 
it's not um it's a i know it's a good because it's much better business than this breast stuff that i do because it's repeat business isn't it breast stuff i do is a one-off and like i just said a minute ago follow up people forever never charge really bad business that is bad business where did i go wrong with my business choices anyway don't worry about me i'll be all right you know i'll 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 struggle through but yes it is not a particularly good business model doing the breasty stuff that i do but i'm basing it on a business model of trying to be really good at something basically and uh and breast is breast and body is where i'm where i'm focusing my life um so god Rambler, Johnny Rambler, best answer ever. Thank you, Kim. You're welcome. Ask JJ. Kim's gone two Ask JJs in the same, you know, blink of an eye. Are you doing Zoom or phone consultations, please? I keep getting drawn back to you. Ooh. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Both doing Zoom and phone. Well, it's not Zoom. It's like a software on the um, on the on the uh, uh, practice management software has got a. Uh, video consultation uh, facility. So yes, we are, Kim. I'm doing video consultations. I'm doing phone consultations. I'm doing real life consultations. The lot. You name it, I'm doing it. Yeah. You name it. What's going on? Nikki says, hello, good evening. And I'm going to say hello, good evening to you, Nikki. And uh, Celie says, hashtag ask JJ. Evening dude, looking fresh. It's the baldness. I said to my wife, just get it off. Get it off because it keeps on growing back. So just so it's all gone. Jason Statham, yeah, that's what I asked for. Um, do you have Botox? Look at that! We've got another quest. Too quick. Oh, where have I gone wrong? I'm gonna have to change my mind, aren't I, and start doing Botox and then delete this this live video and deny that I ever said that I wasn't interested in doing Botox. Um, just oh, just kidding. Okay, just kidding. Uh, but seriously, I'm struggling in my groups to find a decent, decent mummy makeover that includes mounds. Is this standard or separate procedure? It's all about the Botox. It's all about the Botox. I think um, I, I am worried. I'm backing the wrong, uh, the wrong horse, Candice. I really am. Um, what can I do? Uh, when you get to my age, you know, you got to just, you can't. Oh dear, Have I, am I going to look back on my life and say, oh, if I'd done the Botox, I'd be rich. Anyway, there you go. Um, sorry, sorry, Celie. You're asking for a decent mummy makeover that includes mounds. Mounds. Are you, I think, I, think I'm, I can only assume you're talking about the mons, the bit, the sort of bit where the pubic hair is. Um, that that, that 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 can only where else could you have mounds on a mummy makeover it must be it must be that bit um so having said he's specialized in breast and body to know what she's on about with the mounds um so um let's let's just work with that so let's just say it's the it's the, the mons area yes you can do stuff to the mound to the to the mons area at the time of a tummy duck tuck but you are limited as to how much you can do so in a massive weight loss patient Celie, if you've got a massive weight loss patient with a huge totic mons meaning there's a lot of spare skin there's a lot of laxity in that mons area 
The problem is, number one, patients often don't realize it because their abdominal apron is hiding it, so they can't see that that mons so you have to point it out and number two you can't really address it you can't really have a good proper go at it at the time of a tummy tuck it does if, if it's a really proper you know lot very totic mons it it would need a separate procedure so-called monsplasty so it would need a separate procedure to 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 remove that skin and tighten that skin because you wouldn't do it at the same time because with it, the whole thing about a tummy tuck is bringing that scar low and you bring that scar low by keeping the lower incision anchored and undermining the upper incision so the upper incision comes down to meet the lower incision rather than them meeting in the middle if you undermine them both so you you don't undermine the lower incision you only undermine the upper incision so it comes down if you start doing stuff to the mons which means undermining south that can make that scar more lax if that makes sense i'm not sure if i'm making sense here and it can make the scar migrate up so you get a, a scar that migrates up which um, can be a problem and uh, so that's why we try and avoid doing significant amounts to the mons having said that you can do stuff to the mons you can do liposuction and you can take a wedge out so you can you know you can have a go at it no question about it you know you can you can try and improve the mons or the mound um but um i can sort of understand if you're seeing maybe people who are perhaps disappointed and think what have you put that there and why haven't you sorted that out because it uh, it is hard to really um you know go at it and, and focus on it too hard when you're doing a tummy tuck because you don't want to undermine too much down south so um yeah it is a it is a a limitation and it is a challenge of the procedure for people who have a very totic mons CD. So I think it is and and what I what what a lot of surgery is about is about patient expectation. So ideally you try and have this conversation with patients pre-op rather than post-op. They say, what's that there? And you say, oh that was there all along. Didn't you see it? And like, oh you need another operation and they then they get cheesed off. So um you know Nikki says urine to boobs and bodies lol. You're right, Nikki, you're right. That is what I I do that is my forte uh Seely, no not botox talking about the boob and tummy lift and include the lady area Ask, hashtag that's good too thanks and apology for my ignorance it's not ignorance um no I, that's just words isn't it it's just calling it mon, mons or mound mound yeah no i think I, i'm assuming you mean the, the, the mound is the mons so the, the where the pubic hair is um using that to demonstrate it not quite sure well anyway um, um yeah good so uh good 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 uh and Celie, i've got to be honest with you don't apologize you're asking a question girl you know <laughs> that's what we need you know get some questions going on that's what it's all about yeah so i mean look at these questions i'm getting Celie. these are the questions they're giving me was that not asked last week? Can someone check me on this? Did I answer this question last week? Who was there? Was I? I'm sure I answered this. Like anyway, I remember it. I've got to. I've got to try and think of a different angle, or maybe there'll be different people. Anyway, um, why can't surgeries, combined surgeries, go ahead? So combined surgeries can't go ahead because of two reasons. Number one reason is that we are limiting the amount of time in fit. Oh God, that's the that's god that's two questions the next question is what's the maximum time slot for surgery 
flipping it, I'm answering two questions in one. So the maximum time slot is three to four hours, depending on the on the hospital. So this is something that's been imposed because of COVID. So um, the the combined surgeries, the classic combined surgery, is your mummy makeover, is your breast and tummy procedure, which was relatively common, you know, not massively common, but relatively common. A lot of patients opted to have both done in one go. Um, and at the moment, we can't do them both in one go because they take too long, basically. And uh, we are trying to limit the length of time in theatre because we don't want patients having higher risk operations that might then potentially require the NHS. We don't want to put any pressure on the NHS. So that is one reason that we don't want to put pressure on the NHS. The other reason is that there's some evidence to suggest that if you have surgery and then go on to get COVID, you're going to get a worse outcome from your COVID if you've had surgery and it's worse the bigger the operation you've had and it's worse the iller you are. So if you're a poorer anaesthetic risk, um, if you've got comorbidities, if you've got medical problems, then you're going to have a worse outcome from your COVID if you get COVID in the immediate post-operative period. Therefore, we're being encouraged not to operate on people who have got comorbidities, who have got uh, other, uh, you know, other medical problems, and not to do longer operations. So that's two reasons why we don't do combined surgeries at the moment. Although I've seen quite a lot of patients in the clinic who want uh, combined surgeries, and we've actually got people waiting since March. Believe it or not, yes, you heard me, March last year yeah so um so we got march last year so um and what i say to them you either split it but i understand you might not want to split it and so if you don't want to split it i think it will come back it has to come back doesn't it they have to let us do it at some time i don't know when but i'm assuming it will come back at some time so if you really do want your mummy makeover i think at some point they will be letting us do it again um but you know, hopefully soon of all this sort of, you know, things getting better type stuff. Candice says, I'm looking smooth. Have you had Botox? Ooh. Hmm? Do you think I had Botox on myself? I mean, it is. Look, now I look at myself, to be honest with you, it does look smooth. I think it's just, I think it's bald, Candice, rather than smooth. I think bald is the word you want. Um, but no is the answer to that. I haven't Botoxed myself. I haven't practiced on myself. Uh, all natural this is, uh, Candice, all natural. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah. So, uh, what, uh, so good, that's that one. And maximum time for surgery, already answered it, four hours, three to four hours. Right, why don't you do rhinoplasty? Um, procedures is it the preference of the surgeon or are they not qualified to do nose procedures like this sort of, i like this sort of question i get stuck in get stuck in and do you know why i get stuck into this sort of question kim do you know why well i'll tell you why that's why kim yeah you know what i'm talking about right that's why because i've written a book about this stuff you know you know, are they not qualified to do nose procedures? I've got to be honest with you, people, public, right, members of the public here, newsflash here, you don't have to be qualified to do a nose procedure. Fact, anyone can do a nose procedure, right? There's no thing that says you need to have a certain whatever to do a nose procedure. Therefore, Anyone can do nose procedures. I can do nose procedures. ENT surgeons can do nose procedures. General surgeons can do nose procedures. 
Max Fax surgeons can do nose procedures. Um, even even um, you know heart surgeon, if you wanted, you know, if you wanted to, and as long as he didn't say to, he's a nose surgeon. If he said, I'm a heart surgeon, but I'll do a your nose procedure. You know, GPs can do nose procedures. Dermatology, anyone. There's no. This is a problem, people. That's why I've written the book. There is no law or um, you know nothing stopping anyone doing anything and one of the problems particularly with plastic surgery is that because it is quite popular in the private sector all sorts of people do it so never mind people who aren't qualified to do nose procedures uh, first of all there's no qualification in nose procedures so there isn't such a thing um there's a qualification qualification in plastic surgery but it's people who aren't even qualified in plastic surgery will do it uh you know can do it there's nothing to stop them so it is i do think it is a bit of a shocker when you think about it that uh, there is no real um law or or anything stopping anyone doing anything now if you go to one of the big private hostels your spire your bmi they do restrict the surgeons that can work there so you have to be on the specialist register for something so you have to be a specialist in something whether that be heart surgery or orient surgery or general surgery or plastic surgery so that at least if you go to one of those hospitals uh ramsey bmi spire uh, you know that that surgeon has finished their training and is uh, fully trained in something. Uh, but you could have a surgeon that is trained in hand surgery, um, or at least that their subspecialty, you know, plastic surgeon whose special subspecialty interest is hands, doing breasts, doing noses, doing, you know, tummy tucks. So, um, so in answer to your question, it is not because we are not qualified to do nose procedures. Um, we are all qualified to do nose procedures because we're all uh, consultant plastic surgeons who have finished our training and can uh, happily do nose procedures. Well, I wouldn't happily do it. I'd be, I'd be quite unhappy to do it, but the others would be happily to do it. Um, the, main, <clears throat> the main reason why we don't do rhinoplasty is two things. First of all, I think... Uh, I, the, the, fo the clinic is focused on breast and body and we are specialists in breast and body we are not generalists if you want botox i mean we do do botox at the clinic but if you want you know botox and nose and facelifts and etc etc that is not our specialty go to someone who's that's their specialty um and the second thing is particularly for nose uh, procedures or rhinoplasty it is a very uh, nuanced area it's a very difficult area if you like i always say to people there's no such thing as a difficult operation there's operations you can do and operations you can't do if you can't do it it's difficult but but you know uh, it, it's it's something that you really don't want someone who just dabbles you want someone who's who's experienced in those procedures really um or, or in rhinoplasties i don't know why i'm calling it those procedures just because the question said it uh you want really want someone who's experienced in rhinoplasties to do it and um so that's why we don't really do rhinoplasty. Breast and body, come on in. Nose, nah, not so much. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that that's why. But it is a shocker in terms of the qualified question because yeah, if 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 I wanted to to say I'll do noses, I'll do eyes, I'll do facelifts, I'll do, I can do anything I want. I don't need 
I don't need a certificate or a tra you know, no, most people think, oh, you need a certificate or a training in nose procedures. It, no, you don't. You don't need nothing. I mean, God, don't start me on Botox. Are you going to start me on Botox? Fillers. Oh, my good God. You don't need anything. You don't need anything to do your Botox and your fillers. Now, if you're going to work in a CQC registered facility, then hopefully they would have some checks. But everyone and his uncle is doing those sorts of things. So uh, that's even worse than surgery, to be honest with you, that non the non-surgical world. That is, I am sorry to say, the wild, wild west. Surgical procedures is bad enough, but the non-surgicals is. So my thing has always been, a lot of people say they should legislate. We the law. There should be a law to say that only nose people should do nose procedures, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'm, I'm okay with that. But there isn't one, and I don't know when there's one coming. So I would say what I'm doing is I'm educating. That's this. That's what I'm doing right here, guys. I am trying to educate the public to say, look, anyone can do a nose procedure just because they've got a white coat and they're in a nice building and they look nice. And they might even call themselves plastic surgeons. They can call themselves plastic surgeons, even if they're not plastic surgeons. I see it all the time. So you've got to educate yourself. You've got to do your research. You've got to look for the training, look to see if they're on the specialist register with a GMC, which you can check on. It's just the public stuff. It's not easy to do. It's not It's not difficult, but you have to go to the GMC website, put their GMC number in or their name. If they've got a funny name like me, you'll be all right. But if they've got, you know, if they've got a normal name, you might need their GMC number. We're all encouraged to share our GMC numbers. It's nothing secret. So you should be able to ask them what their GMC number is. But, um, you know, you need to do your research. You need to see what do you you know what is your niche what what do you specialize in can i see some results some of your results um of surgery you know you need to be aware and you need to ask the questions i checked your number four double one seven two one four is my number okay my gmc number four double one seven two one four but as I say, Styano, I don't think there's many Stianos out there. Um, so you can just check on my name. But yeah, my GMC number is 4017214. So by all means, check on the GMC because I am fully registered plastic surgeon, fully trained uh, specialist fellowship in plastic surgery. So um, what is kicking off? What's going on? What's going on? So Instagram, Natty, thanks for fab consultation yesterday. Forgot to ask. I'll obviously take nipple piercings out. But will I be able to put them back in once I've been to dressing clinic and dressings are off? Yes, is the answer to that. Yes, you can take your nipple piercings out. And to be honest with you, uh, you can put your nipple piercings back in again uh, straight away once you um, once you've had the surgery. So it's just the metal that we don't we don't like. So it actually, sometimes people put um, silicone or not silicone like plastic basically plastic ones in so if you want if you're worried about your nipple piercings or any piercings you can use spacers or you know like plastic ones but if you or just take them out before the surgery and then you can put them back in um after surgery so but certainly once the dressings come off you can you can definitely put them in but um you can usually put the usually the dressings are usually not obscuring your nipples um i checked your number good well done kim well done you uh where are we up to oh my god we've got questions ask jj yes that's what i meant um blimey o'reilly it's kicked off it's all gone off on facebook hashtag ask jj nice we're, we're getting there guys we're getting there 
do you do thigh lifts in it in an ad in an in a advocate for my group obs and not planning all this surgery but want to share the knowledge i've not seen a single thigh lift yet that is natural good question Seely. and i've got to be honest with you see well the answer to that is yes i do do thigh lifts and it is interesting and i think what you'll find if you look on the internet uh, in terms of body contouring so i say i do i do breast and body contouring is my is my thing but in terms of body contouring i've got to be honest with you that is mainly tummy tucks i do do arm lifts i do thigh lifts and you're absolutely right if you look on the internet for photos of thigh lifts for arm lifts you're not going to find many and you've got to ask yourself why is that why is there loads of photos of tummy tucks loads of photos of breast lifts of face lifts you know faceless breast lifts and um tummy tucks are really um popular contouring and skin tightening procedures arm lifts and thigh lifts are not popular why and i'll tell you why and the reason is they're it's it's difficult to it's a difficult balance with a thigh lift and there's two ways you can do a thigh lift there's one way where you can hide the scar up in a groin which means the scar's hidden which is great just like tummy tuck scars and facelift scars and breast lift scars are hidden but the problem with it it's a the vector of pull is upwards whereas if you have someone who needs a thigh lift often they pinch their thigh sort of side to side in a circumferential direction and say i've got all this fat here whereas a, a with a with a thigh lift which gives you a scar up in the groin it pulls the skin up so it doesn't give a significant lift so personally and this is a personal thing there are people out there who do it and get good results i don't like it and i don't get good results from it quite frankly um i think the better thigh lift is by taking a skin in an up down direction which gives you a big long scar down the medial aspect of your thigh um, all the way down to just above your knee and that means you can get a really good thigh lift but it gives you a really obvious scar so it's not like a tummy tuck it's not like a mastopexy it's not like a facelift it's not this hidden scar that plastic surgeons are great you know and they hide the scar and you can't see about anything done it's a you know and a lot of people say i hate my thighs i can't show my thighs in public they're terrible now if i give you a big long scar down the middle aspect of your thigh maybe you're going to still hate your thighs because you've got a big long scar there and you might maybe you still don't want to take it out in public so that is the problem with thigh lift that um that the scar is a bit more obvious same with the arm lift you know it's a big long scar down your arm and it's a bit more obvious and so that is why they're not as popular so i say this to everybody and um a lot of people say oh crikey i don't want a big long scar i want the hidden one i'm like well the hidden one doesn't give you a very, very good lift and i wouldn't do it and they're like oh, all right then see ya and i'll be like sorry thank you bye you know it's it's you know i, I don't try and sell it because i, I want to have a happy patient and it's really hard and i think that for me the best thigh lift is the big up and down one but it's a big long scar what can i say uh but that's a good point Seely. candy so what have you said can you use thigh lifts to get rid of stretch marks you and your stretch marks so um yes you can but i wouldn't because it'll give you a big long scar and that big long scar will probably be more obvious than your stretch marks and it only takes an ellipse of skin in the medial thigh so if you happen to have stretch marks in that area then yes but it's a bit extreme candice it's a bit extreme and i've got to say it's not a good indication for a thigh lift because it's going to trade it for a scar and the scar as i said is probably going to be more obvious in your stretch marks so not a not a great indication i would i would say but it would take out that skin Seely, would you have a tummy tuck with a surgeon with a grand with grandfather rights would you think it's still safe if not fracs 
but experience. Yes. So, CD, let me explain to um, to the viewers what that means. So I think what you mean by grandfather rights is what I'm talking about in terms of specialist fellowship is FRCS PLAST. So FRCS PLAST. Uh, yeah, where is it? Yeah, there. FRCS PLAST after your name, yeah? So that means you've got the specialist fellowship in plastic surgery. Now, the specialist fellowship in plastic surgery has only been going for a certain number of years. I don't know how many, but older surgeons or senior surgeons may have been around in a time before the FRCS PLAST. So there may be people who are fully trained plastic surgeons who haven't got the FRCS PLAST. So what I say to people is look for people with the FRCS PLAST. That means they've got a specialist fellowship. That means they're fully trained. So there may be circumstances where they are not so you that's why you have to do your so particularly if they're older if they're young and they haven't got their FRCS blast then they're probably not fully trained but certainly if they're older they're more senior uh, not like youngsters like me um then perhaps the other thing is you could do is look at barps and bapras so barps b-a-a-p-s and bapras b-a-p-r-a-s are the plastic surgery associations so you have to be a fully trained plastic surgeon to be a member of those associations. Now, that doesn't mean to member they're not a plastic surgeon because not all plastic surgeons are members. It's, a, it's a sort of um, voluntary. But what it does mean, is if they are a member, then they are fully trained plastic surgeon. So that's another thing you can do. So FRACS, I think that's Australian, isn't it? Or Australian, New Zealand. And that is, um, yes, so the FRACS. Is it is it Australia and is it they still have the plant they still have a specialist fellowship um, and so that would be fine um, but experience I mean I think the yeah, experience is important <clears throat> I don't think you should just go on training you should go on experience and say how long have you been doing this and you know what I, <clears throat> I always say if they're a plastic surgeon in the NHS and that is a you know a marker if they it, it are or have been and experience is extremely important yes. And do you get on with them? Do they have good results? You know, there's also all sorts of, you know, good photos, happy patients. There's all sorts of reasons to uh, to choose a surgeon. It's not just on the training. But uh, and the main thing I say about the training is it's it's OK for people who aren't plastic surgeons to do a lot of the stuff. ENT surgeons, max max surgeons do rhinoplasties. They might do facelifts. You know, it's OK. Um, that's not a problem. But, you know, they might be trained in it and fine with it. That's absolutely fine. The, the problem, as I see it, is when you think they're a plastic surgeon. And I think a lot of people think that people are plastic surgeons, whether they've been told outright they're a plastic surgeon or whether they've just implied it when they're not. And I think a lot of, you know, that that's the thing. Um, it is it is there are people out there who are not plastic surgeons, who people perceive to be plastic surgeons, who are fully trained plastic surgeons and they're not. And it often comes to light when they've had a problem and they have a botch or something like that. And they say, oh, my surgeon wasn't trained and it's all terrible. And I'm like, well, yes, I agree. That is terrible. But, you know, that's why you need to look and see if your surgeon's trained. <clears throat> Kanye West's mum, Donda West, uh, she was his manager. She died after having, I think, a mummy makeover. And I think her surgeon wasn't board certified, which is the American equivalent, wasn't fully trained, as was... Usher's wife's surgeon who had liposuction. I think she had a PE or DVT or something. Um, so, you know, these big, big names. Um, Colin Henry, the footballer, Premier League footballer, playing for Scotland or something. Or, or, uh, anyway, he his wife had a liposuction. So by a non, 
plastic surgeon. So there's examples of people who are very, you know, obviously money's not a problem, very um, uh, prominent having surgery from non-fully trained surgeons. And they obviously thought that they were having surgeon, uh, trained surgeons um, operating on them because there was obviously a nice website and a nice, you know, whatever to make them think that, but you have to do your research. That is what I'm trying to say. So Julia says, good evening. I'm going to say good evening back to you, Julia. Uh, Celie has gone crazy with the ask JJ's. It's just gone mental. Um, I'm asking because I trust your opinion. Honestly, your reputation carries you massively, and I respect that, but I'm interested in your opinion. You hear that? Let me just repeat that for the Instagram people who didn't hear it. I trust you, your opinion. Honestly, your reputation carries you massively. This guy's got a reputation. Thank you, CV. Very good of you to say. Checks in the post. Right, Nikki. Hashtag ask JJ. That's what I'm talking about. Boob uplift. 36E. Saggy. Due to 100 pounds weight loss. Well done, you. Would I get a good lasting result from just an uplift or would I need an implant? Would I then go down cup sizes or it just reshape? Good question, Nikki. That's, just, that's what I'm talking about. Come on, Instagram. Let's have some questions like that. That's a nice question. Good one. Um... Yeah, I would say you get a good uplift result. I'd say normally there's uplifts and there's, sorry, there's shape and there's size. And if shape's the issue, lift. That's it, done. If size is the issue, if you're like, I'm an E and I don't want to be an E, then, well, if you want to be smaller, then it's a reduction. And if you want to be bigger, then it's implants. So I think implants are really good if you're like, I'm an E and I want to be bigger than an E. I wouldn't, but, you know, it's just, you know, that, but, but if you're happy with the size, after a lift, broadly speaking, you're about the same size. Now, you do take some skin out. So there is a small loss of volume, but not significant. And actually, the bigger your breasts are, the more they're acting on by gravity. So taking some volume out can actually be good when you do a lift to, to make them less likely to droop in the future. But um, I wouldn't recommend an implant if you don't want to be bigger. Having said that, you have to be comfortable with the shape that you can achieve with a lift. And this is something I go to great lengths to uh, demonstrate to people because when you have a lift, they're like that. And you're like, oh, yeah, they're great, fantastic, or whatever. Or you might be awkward, what have you done? But in time, they settle. They settle to a bit more of a concavity in the upper pole, out of a bra. Now, you can wear a bra and push them up and stuff, but you might say, we well, can do that now. But there is a bit of a concavity in the upper pole when you're using your natural breast tissue. The only way to get sustained fullness in the upper pole, to get it to stay up there, is with an implant. But as I say, the implants will make the breast bigger. And I'm not a big fan of this reducing the breast down and then using an implant to give that fullness to, to maintain the volume, although that is a technique. But um, but I say well done on the weight loss. I think you would get a good result from an uplift, although you'd have to be comfortable with what you mean by a good lasting result. Because as I say, when you first have it done like that, but in time it does settle because it's natural tissue and that tissue has been stretched. We can't give the tissue back any elasticity it's lost its elasticity because of the weight loss because it's been stretched and so it will naturally form what i would say is a more natural result but a lot of people say oh, i don't want it to droop again i don't want it always droopy and all this paid all this money for a lift i'm like you've got to be comfortable with that shape um, and if you're not comfortable then an implant can give you forms up there but as i say it'll make your breast bigger liz crazy ask jj hashtag ask jj look at that 
do you recommend taking arnica before and or after tummy tuck surgery i've been giving mixed response from people you know what liz it's an interesting question someone asked me this in the clinic yesterday um i don't liz i don't recommend it but perhaps i should and the reason i don't recommend it is because bruising isn't that much of an issue having said that i saw someone yes was it yesterday god the times anyway recently and she had quite a lot of bruising you know she had a breast reduction there's quite a lot of bruising i think oh crikey it's quite a lot of bruising there um so maybe i should i don't think i'll do any harm i don't know i don't know if it's scientific that it helps with bruising but um i don't recommend it no in terms of the tummy tuck you do get bruising with the lipo. if you're having lipo to the sides then they, then you do get bruising um but in terms of tummy tuck without a lipo then it is often not significant bruising is not a significant feature and what i would say to you liz is there's no harm in it i don't actively encourage people to do it but there's no harm in it perhaps i should start actively encourage people to do it see what happens and then i'd know whether to do it or not the problem is bruising is not a major problem you see so it's hard to know whether it's healthy or not you probably need quite a big sample size to to show a, show a difference but yeah no harm in it liz no harm in it Seely, thank you for that tonic. Are normally Barry, but moved into plastics this week. That's a coded message just between me and Seely. Only we know what that means. Actually, maybe. Um, maybe. Seely, um, I'm sure they are great, but worries me when I can't search a member's surgeon. Yeah, you need to search them up, Seely. You need to search them up, girlfriend. So. Oh, look, hold on. My private journey, what you got? The bruises fade quickly enough. Plus, I got loads of sympathy for my husband. Yeah, you're right, actually. The bruise is usually a week or so, isn't it? Is it? Was it a week or so? Usually a week or so. Through. And uh, good for the sympathy. But yeah, maybe if that kind of get helps, I don't know. Maybe, I, don't, I don't know. But uh, yeah, good point. Bruises is not normally much of a sort of problem, if you like. I had a breast lift with implants. I'm currently four months post-op. Should one boob be bigger than the other and nipple line not matching, or do I just have a botched boob job? First thing I'm going to say, I, this isn't my patient, so it's not, not, I mean, not that it could be my patient. I'm not saying this couldn't be my patient, but it isn't. Um, but uh, good question. Uh, and it's tricky. I normally say, well, the first thing to say is talk to your surgeon. You know, it's always best to talk to your surgeon. Your surgeon knows what went on, whether they did more on one side, whether they had to do things in terms of the fold and the heights of the nipples, etc. Um, four months post-op is early days. You know, I normally say things start to settle around three months, start to settle. And it can take six months, 12 months, even 18 months to properly settle. So four months is just starting, really. So I wouldn't be overly doom and gloom and worried about it i will certainly wouldn't start writing yourself into another operation or anything like that a lot of people do that they sort of think it's all going to be bad and it's almost like they don't want it to be good once they get into such a negative mindset so try and keep a positive mindset um one boob bigger than the other so a breast lift with implants is a big deal you know it's a big op and it does knock you out so it's not uncommon for, for one breast to be bigger than the other in terms of swelling now um and also uh, nipple line not matching what I'd like to do with that is I would like to look at the pre-op because often the nipple line not, is not matching pre-op and you don't notice it. You know, people that don't notice it pre-op. Mind you, if you had a lift, that could be even. Um, if you if you have a just implants, then that nipple line will be the same. Um, yes, with a with a with a lift, that nipple line could be evened up. But the problem with this sort of stuff is that when you've had surgery, you're very 
um, critical, if that's the right word, I'm not sure, but you're you're sort of analyzing, hold on a minute, this breast is bigger, this nipple's not quite level, you know, understandably so, because it's very expensive and you spend a lot of money, you've invested a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of research, big deal, life event. I mean, I'll tell you, I'm not I'm not saying it's wrong, I'm just saying you do tend to be very critical or one does after surgery, whatever you have done. And we often see people who come back and say, wait a minute, this one's bigger than this one, this nipple, this little, you know, and 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 I'm like, oh, yeah, that is a bit bigger. The nipple's not quite right. That's okay. Well, it's four months. Let's give it a couple of months. Let's see how it goes. And the more time you give it and the more you learn to live with them, not only will they settle, because they will settle, so that's the first thing, but also as you learn to live with them, you know, I sometimes say to you in the clinic before you sort of examine you, well, one was a bit bigger than the other, wasn't it? Which one was it? And they're like, oh, can't remember. Have to look, you know, so it becomes less of an issue. So as time goes on, time heals all wounds, you know, as time goes on, not only does it settle, but also I think you learn to live with it a bit more than there's a combination. So I wouldn't be too worried at four months. I think it does take time for it to settle. Uh, and what I normally say to people um, is that um, this is not your final result, you know. If people say things, usually often at six weeks, they're saying things, you know, a couple of months, three months, four months. If they're worried that there's issues, I say, look, this is not your final result. I'm not guaranteeing you that it'll settle. I'm not guaranteeing you that it will all work out. I'll give you an opinion. I'll be like, I think it will all work out because the surgery went pretty well. I was pretty happy with, with the, the symmetry and everything, you know, so I think it will all work out. And it usually does. I can't guarantee it. But what I would say to you, if it doesn't work out, I'll fix it. You know, if there's things are not level or one's a bit bigger than the other or something like, you know, if there's something I can do to fix it, I will fix it. But I wouldn't think of that at this stage. I think, you know, you need to leave it as long as possible. And also the other thing, it depends on the degree of asymmetry, to be honest with you, um, because you need to wait until your final result, number one. But number two, from a surgical point of view, we want to create a happy patient as soon as possible. So if it's way off, you know, if one nipple's way high and one's way bigger or one's, you know, if there's an obvious, wow, you know, then you might think of doing surgery a bit sooner. Uh, revision surgery I'm talking about because you want to have a happier patient. So if you leave someone for a year or 18 months and they say, oh, yeah, yeah, that fold, those nipples are a bit, I'll fix the nipple thing then you're going to have someone who's going to be like a bit annoyed and maybe an unhappy patient. So we, you know, this is me anyway, so I suppose all surgeons are different, but I, I want to have a happy patient as soon as possible. So if I think that it's really not going to settle, and there's some, I think there's something relatively simple, relatively low risk I can do to fix it, I might be inclined to do a slightly earlier revision if it's a significant asymmetry that I don't think is going to settle. But if it's mild, um, uh, I think you need to leave it as long as you can to see, get your best result before you start thinking about having anything done about it. And before you think you got using terms like botched boob job, not helpful, not helpful using terms like that. It's an emotive term, isn't it? So don't say that. Don't say that about your own result. Come on, let's be positive. Got to be positive. Chin up. It's, you know, it's the only result you've got. So you've got to run with it. Let's get it as good as we can get it. You know, be positive about it and just focus on the positive aspects of what what uh, what you've got. And let's let's just hope that those things settle. That's what I would be saying. That's where I am on that one. And good luck.
fingers crossed sounds bad the surgeon saying fingers crossed doesn't it but yeah it is a bit hands of the gods now you've got to wait for the settling to settle and see how your body reacts that's the problem with this surgery it's a nightmare this game i don't think you lot realize what a nightmare it is for us you know we're put on this thing like plastic surgeons and they've botched this and they've done that wrong and oh my god look at this it's all terrible it's hard sometimes you're dealing with the body you're dealing with tissues you're dealing with you know potential for infection wound healing there's unpredictable variables the way i think about it i don't know whether it's good to share it but it's late on in the live so there's many people around the way i think about it is like gambling a good gambler will win more often than he loses that's that's you know but a good gambler can't guarantee he's going to win every time they still lose you know even though the odds are stacked in their favor you know if they're a professional gambler or whatever they're still going to lose sometimes and i think it's the same with surgery i don't know if that's a good analogy or not i don't know, I don't know if that gives you comfort but you know we it doesn't matter how good you are or how much how how meticulous you are about your surgery there's going to be wound healing problems there's going to be asymmetries there's going to be infections there's going to be issues and you know i, I for me i talk to a lot of doctors now about sort of building practices and things i think it's all about how you deal with the issues i think you know um, being open with patients and telling them that these are the risks beforehand anyone's had surgery with me will know that i will tell you that there's a risk of infection there's a risk of hematoma you know there's a risk of problems um very very low risk often and you know you know obviously it doesn't happen very often in cosmetic surgery otherwise it wouldn't be so popular but you know there, there anyone any surgeon who tries to tell you that they haven't got any complications and it's all going to be fine um i would run a mile quite frankly because um you know they're either not operating or they're not being honest with you because anyone who does any amount of operating has had problems and it's not because we're trying to do harm it's not trying to because we're trying to mess it up and we're trying to make everything wonky and all over the place I think most people are trying to do their best to be honest with you whether they're trained or not having said about all the training and all that you know i think everybody out there is trying to do their best and no one is trying to is trying to do it do a bad job but um it's about how you handle it which is why i find it a little bit upsetting is not the right word but you know when someone posts a question like this and i'm not their surgeon i'm like well you know if i was your surgeon i would i wouldn't want you asking another surgeon's opinion you know four months post-op i'm like talk to me you know and i get a lot of that i get a lot of people who message me and send photos i'm, I'm okay i'm not complaining I'm, i'll help if i can i'll give you my opinion but i will always say to them look you're better off with your surgeon i don't know what you had done i don't i don't know how tight it was or you know whether i struggled on one side so therefore it's a bit more swollen on that side you know i don't know what you I, it's hard for me to give you an opinion on things in, in the early post-operative period you know that's really a surgeon so that's that's where you need to to be focusing your um your your your, your time and, and working with your surgeon and you know when you have got concerns that's when you need that's when your surgeon needs to step up it's a bit like insurance another analogy second analogy of the night here guys i hope you're making a note so we've got the gambling analogy you know it's a bit like insurance you don't know how good it is until you claim you know same with the surgeons so that's why you got to be a bit careful because there's a lot of people out there who look like they're fantastic and great and hey you know who maybe don't look after you that well afterwards um i shouldn't say that because i don't know that for a fact but i 
but I but I do see a lot of people who ask me for opinions, and I'm thinking, why is your surgeon? Where's your surgeon gone? Um, so you know, I say it's a bit like you know, you know, if you go sail through, and I'm sure you will sail through because most people do sail through. But what if you don't sail through? What if you have a bit of a bump, a bit of a doggy, a bit of a red scar, a bit of a scar's not right or level or something like that? You know, your surgeon's got to look after you. It's part of the job, in my view. Okay. All right. I'll stop. All right. All right. All right. I'll stop now. I'll stop now. I went off on one. I accept that. I accept that. Right. Um, what's happened? What's going on in the chat? Sorry about that. I want a lot of surgery. Any jobs going? Candy, have a word with yourself. Have a word with yourself. Honestly, um, you don't, you absolutely don't need anything. And no, we haven't got any jobs doing candy. Sorry, small team, but always looking to grow. Come on. We want to grow bigger. So, you know, keep it in mind. Never were a bad word said about you in all the groups. That's kind. That's kind, Kim. I do my best. I agree with Kim. You know what? And I say, I try. I will say to everybody, I cannot guarantee you're going to get, you're not going to have a problem. You know, I cannot guarantee that. But I can guarantee that if you have a problem we will look after you and we will give you the best result possible i will do everything i can to give you the best result possible and that's my mantra that's why i try and you know and i think that's where a lot of people get unhappy patients because i i often you got me on a topic here now um i often will see people who will come to the clinic and they will badmouth their surgeon. They were terrible. They were and they look, look after me. And they were a cowboy and all this. Like I'm giving it all this. Like it's all terrible. I'm thinking, oh my god, what terrible. And then I say, okay, well, I'll examine you and see what. You... And I look and I think, do you know what? It's not that bad. The results actually not that bad. And I think the problem is that surgeon hasn't looked after them properly, and that's why they're bad mouthing. And I see it myself in other areas of of customer care you know when you buy something you know, if you looked after you're much less likely to turn into a ranting oh i'm so angry you know if you're not looked after that's when you go crazy and you start saying that surgeon is terrible and everything because they're not looking after you properly i think i think that's where a lot of the problem comes communication looking after people listening to people listening yes the fold's not right let's have a look Oh, yeah, that fold is a bit higher. Do you know what? I did a bit of work on that one. So I think that's actually swelling. I think when that swelling goes down, maybe, you know, looking after people, getting them through. This surgery is often quite traumatic. You don't get your final results straight away. It, it, it's a journey. You know, it is a journey. And you don't, you know, you have, you have to get people through that journey. And it can be quite stressful because you've saved up all your money and you've spent years considering it and you've researched to the hilt and then you have it done and you think oh my lord one's up one's down what's going on here it's all gone wrong you have to keep you have to keep people close and you have to keep looking after people sorry oh i'll stop now right what's going on sorry anyway never that's what i agree with him i agree with him too BA journey. Why are general surgeons on the GMC allowed to perform plastic surgery if they're not technically qualified? Sorry, it's just been asked before. I'm just interested. Well, because what's stopping them, BA journey? What's stopping them? That's the problem. People think there's some kind of law that when you go into theatre, someone says, wait a minute, can I stop you there, please? Can I just see that you're a plastic surgeon doing these, these operations? 
anyone can do it, not just general surgeons, any anyone can do any surgery, any sort of plastic surgery, if you like. Um, there's no law. And the thing about general surgeons, general surgeons often do breast surgery as well, which is slightly confusing. They normally do sort of uh, the, the cancer side. So if you have a breast lump, if you have a, a breast cancer or anything like that, you'd see a breast surgeon, not a general surgeon, uh, not a plastic surgeon. So there are general black breast surgeons, if that makes sense. So that makes it even more uh, even more confusing. So there are general surgeons and there are general surgeons who have spent time with plastic surgeons learning about reconstruction in terms of breast cancer. And these are so-called oncoplastic surgeons. So they've got plastic in their name, they're general surgeons, but they call themselves oncoplastic. So it is a bit of a gray area that who's who's allowed, who, who says what operation you're allowed to do, you know. Uh, and certainly in plastic surgery, because plastic surgery spans a lot of body parts, body areas. We operate on any part of the body. It's not like heart surgery. You know, you're not going to get anyone else doing heart surgery. It's just heart surgeons. You're not going to get. And I think the, the, the combination of the fact that body, there's lots of body parts involved, together with the fact that there's a lot of plastic, a, a lot of private work where people are searching the Internet for surgeons that leads it open for surgeons who aren't qualified to say, I'll do that. In a lot of other operations like heart surgery, brain surgery, you know, hip replacement, stuff like that, you go to your GP and your GP will refer you into the hospital and then you might still choose to have it done privately or your GP will refer you on to a surgeon that they know. So it's only fully qualified people who go through that pathway because the GP knows all the fully qualified people. And, you know, that's plastic surgery. People don't go through their GP, don't go through a GP recommendation. They go for the internet. They go for Google. They go for, um, you know, that, things like that. So, so that's why plastic surgery has opened itself up to people who aren't trained, uh, slash, might be trained in something else. So there's people who aren't trained in anything at all, and then people who are trained in other things, doing other, you know, working on other areas. Um, and as I say, it might be okay. You might have a general surgeon who's trained in black breast reconstruction, who's you know very good at it and very qualified and all that sort of thing. That's fine. The problem I've got, and if they say I'm a general surgeon and I've trained in breast surgery and I've done this and I've done that and here's some of my results and I've got loads of happy patients. Well, that's all right. You know, I'm not saying that's not all right. Same with plastic surgeons who are doing hand surgery or burn surgery, who also do breast or noses or whatever in the private sector that's fine it's happening all the time it's standard you can't stop it because most plastic surgeons do everything it's very rare for plastic surgeons they say they don't do botox or they don't do noses or they don't do facelifts you know i'm i'm quite um you know there's not many of plastic surgeons who do sub specialized super specialized like that uh, most will do anything um and and it's sort of okay it's okay to do breast surgery a standard breast augmentation i guess if, if you're not um you know if that's not your niche um the problem comes when you get an asymmetry when you get a problem you know then maybe you want someone who specializes in breast surgery but gray area ba journey it's a gray area my friend that's one of the reasons i chose you realistic but reassuring that's true i'm going to write that down i'm going to get that on the website realistic but reassuring that can be like my strap line JJ Stiano, realistic, but reassuring. What is going on on Facebook? I've missed it. Oh, my God. We've done the Barry members. Nikki. Sorry, Nikki, to keep you waiting. 
Sorry to keep waiting. Like killing this, overrunning. Oh, hashtag ask JJ Nikki, you are. Go for it, girl. Thanks, happy with size and don't want to be bigger. Just don't want spaniel ears. It sounds like a lift, Nikki. It sounds like a lift to me. Sounds like a lift to me. And But accept the shape will settle, not drop. Don't use the word drop. Drop sounds bad. Settle. Lift, you know, just be happy with that shape. But look at some photos of lifts, Nikki, to see, check you'd be happy with it. But in my view, I think it's a lift that I would recommend from what you've said.